biggest the biggest fallacy is you know people think of sales as a stereotypical salesperson whether in your mind that's the used car salesman or the maybe the engineering type you know serious intellectual type sales or the you know the life of the party guy who's telling all the jokes the the problem with that is i'll say there's all kinds of different buyers so successful smart companies realize they want a very diverse sales force and they want all kinds of salespeople because they have to relate to all type of customers. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we have Mike Hayes with us, and we're going to talk about managing your career path in field sales. Obviously, something that uh, that all of us do and need to think about. So by way of introduction, Mike is an expert in the medical sales industry specifically, uh, so pharma and med device, and he's worked with top companies in the field, including Johnson & Johnson, Glaxo, Novartis, and Merck. And he's also the host of the podcast, Get Hired in Medical Sales. So obviously an expert in a very relevant topic for a lot of us. Um, welcome to the show, Mike. Steve, thanks so much for having me. And like you said, it's, I think it's relevant because we're all, we're all working on this together, right? Trying to like move from A to B and, and uh, in our lives and, and keep growing in an ever changing marketplace, especially coming out of this COVID time where, you know, virtual stuff and trying to touch base with customers and, and even think about our own career path is been more challenging and, and but then maybe also has more opportunities and more things to think about. Absolutely. Well, let's jump into it. Uh, how can field salespeople develop a long-term career plan? Well, I love that because I love sales. I've done it for several, several years, uh, 30, over 30 years. And it's such an awesome lifestyle. And it has, you know, I'll be real honest, uh, my answers aren't super deep. I love sales because of the flexibility of the income potential and of uh, the opportunities that are out there. You know, once a person has experience in sales, really, I mean, the sky's the limit. And I say that meaning, you know, talk about career path and opportunity. Once you've kind of cut your teeth and the specific industry, then you can kind of reflect on, okay, what do I like and what I don't like about that? And what have I learned about where the opportunities are and maybe where they're shrinking and where would I be a good fit? Like, where could I see myself, you know, continually growing? And that's the beautiful thing about this business. There's just always going to be opportunity. I always say when, when, when the economy is bad, they want more salespeople, right? Got to get sales up. When the economy's good, they want more salespeople. I mean, we got to get the sales. We want more sales. So, you know, it's, it's kind of a good, good uh, job security is a, to be a successful salesperson. Absolutely. I, I think it's a great long-term career path. Um, and, I, and I think it's, it's one that's, you know, a lot of people are in right now and, and, uh, and are doing really well in. Now, I think there's also people that would like to do better in it. How, how can they tweak their plan to have goals and set goals appropriately that will help them progress in their career plan to the next levels, the next, 
whether it's a level in title change, whether it's a next level in, in income, um, what are some things that salespeople can do to, to build that plan? Well, since sales is a very individual thing, because we all know there's different styles and there's different challenges and problems. And the, the, biggest, the biggest fallacy is, you know, people think of sales as a stereotypical salesperson. Whether in your mind that's the used car salesman or the maybe the engineering type, you know, serious intellectual type sales or the, you know, the life of the party guy who's telling all the jokes. The, the problem with that is I'll say there's all kinds of different buyers. So successful, smart companies realize they want a very diverse sales force and they want all kinds of salespeople because they have to relate to all type of customers. You know, like in our business in medical sales, the, there are more and more physicians and providers that are millennials. So now all of a sudden, not only are, you know, there's a lot of salespeople who are millennials, but you're having to relate your message to a, a younger audience, maybe who come out of medical school and started a practice. And so I say all that to answer your question in that you have to get to know yourself, you know, what makes you tick, what motivates you, what uh, reinforcements you like, and then approach your career a little bit that way. I mean, for example, uh, in medical, I'm in pharmaceutical sales. We have a little more of a higher base salary and a little less of like an open-ended commission plan. And so as a family person with kids, I like the idea if I work really hard and I know that my base salary keeps growing, I take a little bit of risk out of the equation when I plan my career. Now, the next person sitting here saying, hey, I like more risk. That gets me fired up in the morning. I like to have more on the line. But I just think to answer your question, as, as you get to know what, you know what motivates you, what challenges, what risk you can tolerate, and what kind of selling environment that you thrive in the most, that'll help you, you know, set goals and plan your career path. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think one has to be introspective here too. They have to, you have to look at yourself and figure out where, where am I strong? Like, am I more someone who will help make, will be more useful making an analytical sale, meaning like the, the person, the buyer, and you see this a lot in technology, for example, like if someone's looking at, you know, our company, they're looking at several companies that do similar things. They're looking at the, the pros and cons of each one. They're, they're much more of like a, I think a lot of people that buy technology, it's much more like a spreadsheet buy, you know, it's a professional buyer. They buy lots of technology and um, we're just one of a hundred vendors they're buying stuff from. So it's much, I, I think it's a re relatively cerebral sale. Whereas other things, even technical things in, in other areas might be much more personality based. Like I, uh, like I, I watched a, a friend of mine who's a doctor purchase a laser and it's always interesting to me to kind of see the, the purchase from like the buyer's side. And like, and I was asking, asking them what, like how, how that experience went and how, how they made the decision. Cause we, we, you know, we have a bunch of customers that are in this laser business um, selling different types of lasers. You know, there's lots of different things you do. The doctors do with lasers these days. Right. And, uh, and there are probably four or five lasers that she was evaluating in depth. And these are $200,000 pieces of equipment. Right. And, uh, and, and for her, it was it, like when you ask her what, how she made her decision, she didn't talk about like the the speeds and feeds of the laser or or you know the, how you could tune them. Or it was like 
well, hanging out with this rep, and we went here for lunch, and like the relate, like it's the it was the depth of the relationship that she had ultimately with the rep. I think that really tipped her into the it, it just helped to determine which one of these uh, lasers she was going to buy, and uh, it, which I and I I think it's important as a rep to be like I'm the kind of person that builds those types of relationships. I need to be in selling a product that that's important versus a rep that's more like well I'm more this type of rep that would be great at explaining the depths of this piece of technology to this type of person who needs to understand how, how the servers work and what the speeds and feeds are. And, you know, they're going to make their decision more based on that. And so get them where you fit in, I guess, is the yeah. summary there. Yeah, I love that. And, and that's what, why this field is wide open. So like you say, let's say you're the relationship person. So my style is selling. I'm very conversational. That's why I started my own podcast as well. Mm-hmm. But so I'm in medical sales, and so you're calling on, you know, top of the food chain clients, right? I mean, the doctors, surgeons, they have 12 or 16 years of, you know, formal education. So, you know, it's it's a different dance we do, right? It's it's still the, the basics are there. Like you said, you're building a relationship. You're, you have to understand the, the, the information, the technical information. You've got to move that prospect along, similar to B&B. Um, you, you are ultimately going to ask for the sale and try to deliver a product to meet their needs. And then to be successful, you're repeating that process. You're getting better at it. Your customers are happy and your company is improving their products and the cycle goes on. So for the goods, for the salesperson, because there's, there's several steps along that path. What path do you want to be on? You know, do you want to be the face? So I'm the conversational guy. I like meeting new people. So I love knocking on doors. I mean, no one likes cold calling, but I mean, you can visualize. I like walking in and meeting somebody new and or going out to lunch or having a cup of coffee. I've got friends who are sales engineers and they just soon not do a lot of that. They would want to talk specs and how to get the reduce the tolerances and, and look at engineering blueprints. Um, and, and so the good news is in a sales cycle, there's all of that. There's the, there's the marketing piece where it starts. There's the, the, the salesperson who walks in the door. Then there's the, 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 the technology part. Then it's delivering the, on the goods, right? Shipping the product out the door. And to be successful, you need all those parts. So what's great about this is kind of figure out as a salesperson where your strengths are. You know, we, we all do the personal assessments. Um, and my favorite is DISC, that's D-I-S-C uh, for people. Um, that's a real quick, you know, personality assessment of your communication style. And uh, so if you're more technical and quiet, you know, you, you like to sit back in the room and listen and, and think through details. Just, just know that about yourself. Well, that would be the C on the DISC chart on the I, which stands for influence. I love making that personal connection and trying to influence that person through conversation, you know, energy, relationship, uh, you know, using selling verbiage. And, uh, and so whatever personality assessment you like, because a lot of these big companies will use those anyway to assess you come in the door. So you might as well get a jump start on it and learn that about yourself. Then that helps you kind of see in that sales cycle where you feel like you can really contribute the most. And what are some examples of small, short action items that salespeople can set based on their goals? What are some 
what are some things people can do there? Yeah, I think that the your goals have to be again part of this bigger picture. Where since we started off talking about career, so one thing about sales, it's you know it's different from the old generation in our economy where if you had a good job at a Fortune 500 company, your goal was to work there 25 or 30 years, get the golden watch, get the pension, and leave and and retire. That was the dream of people out of the you know post um, you know depression era world war ii era well we know those days are gone those days are over so we create value by really this might be people might disagree with this but really by changing jobs as you advance as you conquer one skill or one sales position and you kind of climb up that you know out of that hole and become good chances are you're going to make more money have more opportunity when you jump ship it's just kind of the nature of it. I mean, your employer is not most likely to come to you after three years of being successful and offer you more, but a competitor probably will. I say that to say, when you're setting your goals, you know, realize it has to be kind of in your view of, okay, I'll probably be at this job. If I'm in sales, I don't want to really look more beyond really a year or two, three at the most. So my goals boil down to how do I be successful in that year how do I do the things that I can focus on in that start of the year, that quarter to reach the sales goals, the, met, the, the activity metrics that my boss will look at? And then, you know, at the end of the year, can I win a sales contest? Can I be above plan? Can I win the, you know, the, the golden crown? If I can work backwards in that year and, and you know, focus on what I can control, those, those activity metrics, um, then really if that's within a two or three year scope, that's all I really have to worry about because anything beyond that's pretty irrelevant. After 12, most of us, for, we've learned from the pandemic, even a year is plenty far enough in planning, but to, to focus on the metrics that you can control to you know, make, your, make your numbers. Yeah, it's so interesting that, uh, that you said that because I've actually given people that exact advice before um, to, to switch companies frequently, um, because I feel like there, you just, you often get to jump a, le- a leg up on the ladder, you know, by moving around, uh, you know, you're kind of reevaluated based on your existing skill set, and people will often give you a bump, even though your existing company, you are actually more suited and better equipped to be bumped up a rung at your existing company because you've been there for a while, you know how things work, you know the people, you know the processes. So it, it's it's like a I've noticed, especially at big companies, jump moving around, and it certainly benefited me. I mean, you know, moving, switching jobs, I was, you know, you, I always didn't move laterally. I moved, actually one move was purely lateral, but almost same territory, same everything, but it was at a much better company. And so that, so that still ended up, it's almost like an effective lift. Um, yeah. But at and the I'm same time, saying, I think, sorry, but you and I would agree, it's not necessarily our desired strategy to say, hey, I've got this wonderful job. I'm only going to be here two or three years, but it's more reality. It's more based on the economy. It's more based on you creating a career that you get, you keep growing. 
chances are after two or three years or whatever that number is, you know, when you change companies, you'll get a new skill set, you'll have new customers, you'll have new tools, uh, new competitors. And, but along with that, and, you know, when you're in sales, since you're being productive, that is a natural move up because you, you, you've been successful at company A and, you know, it, it's, it's just kind of the, the nature of sales. A, compet, uh, a recruiter calls, a competitor hires you away. It's just kind of the nature of it. So it's good for us going in knowing that. Um, and if you like now, I've been in my company uh, <laughs> almost 20 years now, believe it or not. But um, I'm also I have changed jobs within that prior to that. So but I got to a level where I really love and they they like me. I like them. It's a you know, it's a real happy thing. So, you know, I've been producing. I've been rewarded for it. So you know, when it, when you find that sweet spot, yeah, you know, ride that ship, but along the way, and I might have millennial kids and they've all done the same thing. And I've, I get that. That's you, 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 in order really to keep growing when you're in your late twenties and thirties as a, in, as a business professional and salesperson, I think today with just changing technology and the changing market, it's fine to, to, to see that I'm probably going to have two or three or four maybe even five jobs, maybe not, there's no magic number, but I realize I'm about growth and performance. And I'll probably get more of that if I keep moving down that continuum. That's just, that's my thought. Would you sound like you agree as well, Steve? Yeah, it's like I do, I have given that same advice. Um, it's interesting running a company now, like I've kind of, it's almost like I've taken that advice into my own way of behaving and turned it on its head where I try to be a, the type of place because I, I think that having people work for a company for the long term is way better for them and way better for the company if the company treats them fairly. If you give, you know, like I, I, I try to promote from within rather than hire from the outside um, and top people. I try to, um, you know, pay people what they're worth on the open market. I refresh their stock options in a way that um, we, we we have stock options in the, in the technology industry. It's less com- not necessarily common at larger companies or in other, other industries, but like here we have stock options and like I refresh their stock options every four years in a way that when they, it, in the, I give them the number of options that like if you're the VP of, you know, sales, I give you the number every four years, I give you the number of options that you would have gotten moving to another company and those vest over four years. Nice, nice. And, and I and I think it's really so. It depends on the company you're at, right? Like, because definitely there were there are a lot of companies where, and you can kind of tell by looking around. Like, is this the like? Are all the new managers being hired from the outside? If so, then I'm probably not going to move up through this company, right? The way to move up is to leave. Um, but if they're if they do do a lot of promotion from within, and if people are making competitive amounts of money, meaning if they switch, they'd make the same amount of money. Switch companies to make some money like the and 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 not just money but other other benefits like options and everything else. Then then that's the kind of company you can stay at for the long haul and actually do better because you create way more value being with one place for a long time because you just know where all the bodies are buried. You know how everything works. You know the people that get things done. You know who's good and bad to work with. You just know you know all the things and you just become. You know, I, I think that you're, you're kind of green in a company until you've been there for three years, right? Like once you're there for three years, you really know how things work and you, and you just can kind of hum along. Um, like someone working 20 hours 
can get as much if they've been there for three years can get get as much done as someone working 40 hours who just started yesterday i i think yes um, that's that's great i just add that along with that as a sales rep you're saying okay am i hitting my goals if so like you're saying i'm going to be rewarded for it and hey sky's blue let's keep cranking here uh let's keep going right now if I'm not hitting my numbers, it's either me or the company or something's not right. So can I fix that? Is there something I can focus on? Do I need to make more calls? Mm -hmm. Do I need to get more coaching from my boss? You know, I have the calls, but I'm not closing the deal or the company's not following through on their end. They're not shipping the product or they have problems with technology. You're a software company. So, you know, well, your, your newest edit is not out yet. And my company, my customers are waiting for that. So, yeah. so I'm, you know, I'm saying for the sales rep, you evaluate all that. The great news is, because you're good in sales, you'll have lots of opportunities. You just have to evaluate. Is it worth sticking out another year here? Can I perform and get rewarded for it? If not, it's great about what we do. There's tons of opportunity out there. Not always better, to your point. Sometimes it's just better to, to humble out and get the help you need to be better at your current job. But the nice thing is, again, what we do is because we're in sales, there'll always be opportunity but like always, it's kind of a business risk. To your point, it's a little safer to stay where you where you are. And I'm very loyal. Again, I love my company. I've been here a long time. Uh, so I see both sides of it. But for the millennial, the younger crowd, uh, I think it's good. And not just to change jobs to change, but one thing I help people with now and helping them get hired in medical sales, the first thing we start with is your story. Like if you're going to go to an interview for a very high paying job, I want to help you to have a story so and develop your story. So if you've had these successful jobs that you and I are talking about, Steve, let's, let's bring all that together in a really uh, uh, interesting, persuasive story. So when you're in that high stakes interview, you can share why you got hired by this company, why you left, what your accomplishments were. At the end of the day, that's what people really want to see, right? You're a CEO. It's about performance. And as long as we can address that and we have that personal element you talked about a minute ago about buying the laser, why did she buy that? She bought from the person. At the end of the day, we buy pe from people, we hire people we like. And uh, but as long as performance is, is you know, addressed there. And so as salespeople, those are two big things we can control. Yeah, and I, I think it's worth thinking about what what are the questions that a person can ask themselves? Is this is this a company where, as a salesperson, I'm going to thrive, or would I do better somewhere else? Or conversely, I mean, I guess it's same question, same concept. I'm evaluating, applying at these different companies. How do I know this is the this is the company that I want to work for as opposed to that one? And maybe these are questions you could ask a hiring manager. Maybe this is research questions you can just ask the internet. Maybe this, these are questions for Glassdoor. Um, but like an example would be like if I'm if I'm at you know laser company A and I'm considering my my career path. Maybe I'm an expert in lasers. I like this industry. Should I think about moving to laser company B or C? What are the things that I should be evaluating as I kind of consider that move? What, what, what should I be, yeah. who should I, what question should I be asking? I, I love that question. And I'll tell you why I just helped this. I worked with this young lady who was a critical care nurse and she got her first medical sales offer this week. So she basically doubled her income. Um, and she's working, has a flexible schedule now, got out of the, you know, the critical care unit after COVID. So she's thrilled. 
And but she and in negotiating the final offer, we talked and she had questions for me. And I would, you know, to try to evaluate how good is the offer? Like the money looks good. Like she was new to sales. So here are the things that you want to think about if you're a salesperson and maybe even as a manager to make sure that when you put an offer out there, people are on the same page. One, what is the exact territory? Sounds simple, but it can be confusing. Is it the state of Indiana? Is it, you know, customers, you know, big customers down to mid-range customers? Do you guys share a geography? So as a salesperson, as a manager, have a clear territory that that rep understands. That's one. Two, do you see yourself working for that manager? I mean, did you have a good connection with him through the interview process? Or maybe not. Maybe the regional guy came in and took interviews for him. Or maybe he was away in a business trip, but you didn't really get to know the person you work for. That's a red flag. Uh, secondly, do you, or thirdly, do you understand the comp plan? Okay. Not so much that, you know, we pay you 10% of gross sales, but do you as an individual understand the math on how that works? Now, some of them are very complicated, so you're not going to understand everything. But is it simple enough that you know if you sell X number of widgets, you're going to make X number of dollars? And then fourth, I'd say, you know, do you understand the sales process? So is it a lot of Zoom today? Well, maybe I hate Zoom. You know, a year ago, it was all field sales. Well, today might be Zoom, email, some in-person sales. Uh, or maybe they don't know that because we have still come out of this pandemic. Well, before I take a job, you know, as a rep, you, you can offer me a seventy-five dollars or $100,000, you know, package. But if I can't address some of those things, I really don't know if it's for me or not. Now, for example, if you say, well, Mike, we're about 75% Zoom right now because the customers aren't seeing us. I might hate Zoom. I might not be that good on Zoom. You know, my skills might be the taking people out to lunch or the opposite. I might be introverted and I love Zoom, but understand the sales cycle and what it takes for you to sell X number of widgets. Not so much that you just have to sell a hundred widgets, but how do we do that? You know, what is, what is the sales process like and how, and then uh, last thing I, I would just say, finally, in this topic is training. A good company is going to invest a lot of money in you for training. And you'll know if it's a good opportunity and a good, if they're setting you up for success, is, you know, ask yourself, how much are they really investing in me? Is it straight commission? Hey, great. Now, some people can do super well with that. Hey, here's the yellow, the old yellow pages. I'm doing air quotes here. No one uses that anymore. But, you know, here's the customer list, right? Go get them. Well, for some people, that's awesome. For somebody else, that doesn't really set them up for success. They want some training. They, they really want a career that, you know, as they work hard, they'll be supported by their company. And, you know, there'll be enough training to really help them when they get out there and they get on the, out on a limb with a big customer and they're trying to put a deal together or they need some technical help, the company is there to support them. So I think that if you evaluate all those, you know, five things, uh, it really helps you evaluate, is this a good opportunity for me? Uh, and, or it, it might look good on paper, but I'm not really confident yet to make the move. Yeah. I, uh, I guess if, I think I think you're you're dead on, and I think these are really important questions to ask, whether it's your job or a new job you're considering. Um, a couple other things that I'd add to that list are 
trying to figure out either through that and it's tough this might be a tough question to figure out from a hiring manager but maybe you could find out from a salesperson what percentage of the reps are making their number because i've seen some companies you know where 75 80 percent of reps are, are are making their number and i've seen other companies where it's you know 20% of reps make their numbers. So like no one's really like, you know, it's, this is a half comp, half base, half bonus plan. And, and basically nobody's making all their, their OTE because on target earning, because no one's, uh, because the, the, the plan is set in such a way that the numbers are really hard to hit or impossible to hit. And a small percentage of people are, are actually making it. Um, and also look at the margins of the product. If you're like looking across different industries or even competitors within an industry, um, Sometimes you're you're at a competitive advantage or disadvantage based on the cost of making the product, and and uh, so it's better to be with you know the, in general selling things with higher margin is always better because they're just willing to pay you more. And and my lesson was learned on this the hard way. I, I was selling both hardware and software, and I kind of figured out well, this is when I was at IBM early in my sales career, and I was like, well, wow, they pay, should should you pay me a lot more than when I sell software than hardware? Why is that? And it's because you know the spit, the spits were better, the, the payouts were better. And it's because you know if you make sell on a server, there's a five to ten percent margin, right? It's basically a commoditized product. Where if you sell a piece of software, it's a seventy percent margin. And um, and so they're you know people are willing to pay their salespeople more for selling higher margin products. So if you have if you can figure that out, sell the higher margin thing. I think another thing that's hard to hard to tease out, but is really important. And often the salespeople in the, in, the, in the industry, and it's great if you are already working in this industry because then you'll know this, the relative market share among competitors. competitors. So there's five laser companies, which one is, which ones are growing their market share versus which ones are shrinking their market share. You often wanna be at the ones that are growing their market share because they're just winning deals. And therefore as a rep, you're likely to win more deals if one laser company has just a cooler patent that allows their stuff to do better stuff or whatever the advantage is. If you don't want to be with the, you don't want to be at the shrinking company yeah, or the company who's shrinking in, in market share, even if the overall industry is growing, if one company is just doing better than another, you want to be at the winning company. Yeah. And I think to, you know, back to the idea of the career. So as a salesperson, if I understand a lot of those, so we, we go deep, like you're doing now, you go a little deeper in the analysis and I step back and look at my, cause it comes down to selfishly, what my opportunity is, right? Like sure. the, comp the company's great, you know, the, the market's cool and all this, but again, I have to get up and go to work every day and, and can I do this job? In other words, do my skills fit this? And if I go out and work really hard, if I hustle and crank it up every day and get out there, which honestly, I mean, that's why we go into sales. It's, it's competitive, it's exciting. We wanna go make it happen. So I'm not talking about the folks who wanna slack and, you know, the, the people who are just settling back and, and, you know, not wanting to work because eventually they will not be around much longer anyway. But for the people who want to perform and you sit back and do that analysis, then you get to decide, okay, is it, is it, does this fit my skill set to stay and can I be successful or can I go? Should I go? For example, in my role, even though we've had a little less access because of uh, COVID, something you said a minute ago, our, our product it has a margin because it's patent protected. Obviously, right, we're medical. So to your point, you know, how do you get that? One way to get a nice margin is to have a protected patented technology. Um, and so along with that is the marketing plan that 
that the marketing team is doing. And I realize my part to get that sale, I play one part of that. So if I keep doing my part, they're they're committed to doing their parts, and we're going. I'm going to be successful and make my number and get paid. At the end of the day, that's my selfish as a salesperson. That's selfishly what I'm looking at. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a key thing to try to figure out as you evaluate a place. What's the what's the marketing air cover? Is it are, is this a company that is going to be providing me with warm leads that are easy to close for, for some percentage of the sales I'm going to be making? Or am I going to have to um, stir up every, 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 uh, every trail that I'm going to follow? Do I have to have, do I have to have found that trail myself as I, as I stalk my prey? Exactly. Um, and not, not to mention, you know, some places just have more to invest in things like marketing or sales. Um, and some places are just more of a sales driven culture and the, you want to figure out, is this a sales driven culture place? Meaning like, is this a place where upper management and leadership the, or, and the culture of the organization values sales and wants to have a top-notch sales team, meaning you're going to pay them out. You're going to pay them like a top-notch sales team uh, and treat them as such. Or is it a culture that kind of begrudges sales? Cause some companies, you know, yep. and you see this a lot in technology, um, you know, the company is founded by a technologist and they think sales is kind of this annoying, silly exercise that you have to go through when they don't understand why, why the humans behave like this and why people can't just buy, buy their product off their website. And that's not a great place. It's often not a great place to be a salesperson because you're kind of, the culture kind of views sales as this like weird, annoying thing that you just have to do and it's silly. Whereas other, other places are like, oh no, sales is where the money comes from. This is really important and we're going to treat it as such. Yeah. And the things we've talked about already, like you say, action speaks louder than words. So if you see the comp plan and it's, you can calculate it. And like you said, you talk to the other reps and you, you find out how they doing. Are they hitting their number? Hey, if they're hitting their number, that sounds good. Like, you know, if I can make a hundred thousand or 125, whatever your number is, right. And it's 80% salary and, you know, 20% commission or whatever, 50, 50 doesn't really matter. If I can hit that number and maybe the, it's unlimited. Hey, sign me up. But the opposite is true. If they, if it doesn't, if, if I can't see that and it's not happening, then why don't, I'm not going to think I can change it. And it, there's probably better opportunity somewhere else. Uh, and it's, so that's, again, that's why you and I are talking, right? That, that this is a great profession because as you get better, you'll be more perceptive of the, of the things we're talking about. And then your career should follow that, that same path. Absolutely. Well, and how up to date, or how, how can salespeople stay up to date um, on new sales trends and sales skills that they that they need to work on? Well, I think the beautiful thing I just love this is just the technology age we're in, right? The information age. So most salespeople are in the car. So you know, invest in self learning. It's just amazing. I absolutely love it. The podcast, right? Just podcaster awesome you can hear from every kind of sales leader in every specialty whether it's b2b it's software um, you know b2c the consumer uh, medical dental vision uh, you name it and within medical you've got capital equipment you've got surgical disposables you've got medical products in the or you know knees and joints mm -hmm. um, and that's a wide open field so let's say you want to learn about that or you know so between podcast, audio, you know, audio.com, books on 
you know, demand uh, in the car. So I just think that self-learning to answer your question, there's, it, it's, it has to be kind of self-driven. Courses you can take, uh, training you can get, um, free courses and then pay, paid for four courses. I paid, uh, so about five, about five or six years ago, I was stuck in my career. Uh, I felt like I had a manager who was just not working with me very well. I felt very stagnant. Uh, and I was pretty far along in my career, but I, so I paid like twelve, fifteen hundred dollars. I forget what it was to hire a career coach. Just did a couple of these assessments, you know, uh, really kind of evaluated where I was, where I was, and that was just very helpful. It, re, it invigorated me. Uh, so I went on in this disc, um, you know, assessment I'm talking about. I went on, then and became certified as a trainer myself. But that helped me so much in sales to get refreshed with my upper management and uh, and my sales to have to have this to to be aware of these assessments and realize that some of these personality types are are so you know strong in one area that it's not my fault or my problem that you know I'm struggling here. It just what we learn is that sometimes it just takes a lot more energy and a lot more work on our part as an employee with a tough manager or a tough customer. And, and so through that career growth, that $1,500 I spent was the best money ever because um, I just invested in myself. So to answer your question, there's just so many tools out there, but I think being willing to invest and grow and um, you know, find whatever specific targeted area that motivates you or challenges you and, and, and invest in it. Yeah, I, uh, and, and, and the, the DISC model, in case people are, aren't familiar with it, it's kind of like another personality type survey, um, kind of like uh, Myers-Briggs. Um, but yeah, it's like the, the D is dominance. And so you're like a very direct results person. You're competitive. Um, the I is influence. Your, which is which is what you were saying you were it's more like enthusiasm friendly optimistic I think a lot of a lot of sales people probably fall into there um, compliance is the is the third one is the C and that's like you know, you're you're cautious you're contemplative you're accurate you know probably a lot of lawyers in that group <laughs> um, and then steadiness is the S like yeah. like a sincerity patient modest probably a lot of like teachers in that group yeah um perfect yeah. you did a great job you, that, that was i'm high-fiving you that was uh you, you did it <laughs> you <laughs> it out well i gotta laugh because i'm the eye the influence and my wife is a school teacher so she's more steady yeah so I, I come in all excited we're gonna do this we're gonna do that she kind of looks at me like okay what's you know what's the cost gonna be and what, yeah, do, we yeah. do, what do we do next i'm like who cares she said well when do we start packing the car i'm like who cares we're going to the beach let's go she's like wait a minute do we have an oil change in the car? I'm like, okay, she's probably right. So <laughs> it makes for a better partnership. You know, just understand. Yeah. Yeah. She's the S and C. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a cool model for people to check out. You know, a lot of these frameworks, they're, they're useful ways to think about the world. I think. Yeah. There's no right or wrong silver, silver bullet, but they're useful. Like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what about uh, what tips do you have for field salespeople who are looking to network with other people and and build a, a make a build out a group of more influential connections to to grow their career? What what would you what would you recommend there? Well, you know, there's obviously the real obvious elephant in the room, right? You want to live on LinkedIn, basically, right? 
you know, LinkedIn and through not so much the old days is, is, hey, Steve, I'm trying to get into, you know, software sales. Can you help me? Well, you know, you're a busy guy. That, that's not real motivating. But maybe it's I, I see you on LinkedIn. I, I see, hey, Steve, I've, I've had several friends use Badger Maps. It's helped their productivity. Uh, you know, how did you start the business? And, and I'm trying to get into sales. Do you have any advice? Well, now that probably stops you in the middle of your day. You're like, wait a minute, the guy's flattering me. He's, he understands what I do and he wants my help. You know, as a human being, you're more likely just because you're human to respond to that and want to help the guy. And so the two steps I encourage people on LinkedIn, because yeah, again, it's all about LinkedIn, but, but the, the key is it's the networking to meet other people and, you know, compliment them and ask for their advice as an initial connection on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then from there, nurture that relationship and find out what they like, uh, a follow-up DM, maybe a phone call. If they're in your community, meet for coffee um, and a phone call. And, and, you know, be curious, like be curious about them. Let share about your background. And as you nurture that relationship, it's just, you know, I don't think anybody probably realizes, you know, every day there's some new, you know, eye-opening thing about LinkedIn uh, when we start, again, listen to podcasts or wherever you get your information. And I think the successful people are in the way to grow in our career that the tips are, it's through those people you meet, um, whether that leads to a job or a marketing insight or a, maybe just a peer that you kind of buddy up with in your sales journey. Um, I can't tell you the, the number of jobs I've gotten and the opportunities I've, I've gotten, and you can probably relate, just through people we met, that you meet. And now LinkedIn allows us to do that in just a click of our, you know, little iPhone on sitting in the waiting room with somebody else. And we never know where that, you know, that connection could lead. Absolutely. And I, I feel like these connections and networking can be so important um to to the development of someone's career how what do you think about the role mentorship can play in a salesperson's career why is this so important well i think whether it's the formal paid role as the sales manager or, or you know or regional manager district manager whoever you're going to report to and then the other peers you seek out i think it's to answer your question so you have those formal ones I just described. Your goal, though, is to get better, right, to learn. And so if you do it through the direct report you have in, in management or you seek out a peer that you, uh, whatever, you know, submit yourself to them or humble yourself to them or just ask questions like, hey, how did you, how did you get there? Or, you know, how do you feel about this sales strategy? I think the more... Uh, you can initiate that is really how you win because today again with linkedin what's changed everything in the old days it was way more formal but like now you and i are doing this podcast this is the second time you and i have spoken you know we're building a friendship uh our audience is getting to know both of us and that wasn't even possible several years ago and um the more we can we can have those connections it's just amazing you know where they, where they can lead. I mean, it's just, uh, and that's really where sales and growth will come from. And, um, 
Tell me uh, about how someone can stand out. How can a field salesperson show that they're the best person to pick for a given promotion um, amongst their amongst their competitors? In this case, their their teammates. How do you? What are some of the best ways to do that? Other than obviously like sell more and do more big deals. Like what are the what are other some more nuanced things that they can do? Well, I'm going to answer this by kind of going back. So I felt like I wanted to share a story and I didn't really get it out in time. But, you know, let's just combine both of these that, you know, one way to stand out is through who you know and the networking. So when I landed the job I have now, <clears throat> I had tried to get in with my company on two other occasions. And they had a recruiter called on both occasions. And one, they flew me to downtown Philadelphia for a big hiring event. In another time, I think it was Cleveland, and I, I live in Indiana. So on two different occasions, I was recruited and then, you know, flown out for these, these interview sessions with, uh, and in both times, I didn't get the job. And I really wanted to work for the company I'm with. And so I was kind of like, all right, that was a lot of work. I spent a lot of money on my brag book to, to tune up my, my sales pitch about myself and all my accomplishments. And I think I spent like 200, 250 bucks at, you know, getting a professionally bound brag book is, you know, what we always recommend in medical or pharmaceutical sales to have, you know, a, a brag book and to be able to implement that in the interview process. And I didn't get those. I was pretty devastated. But then about whatever, a couple months later, I met a fella in a parking lot in a medical building. We were both making sales calls. Bottom line, he yelled out, hey, what's going on? And we started connecting, bonding. And really through that friendship, then he introduced, he worked for the same company that I had been trying to interview with and got rejected. And he's like, hey, I'm getting promoted. I, we have an opening. You should talk to my boss. And one thing led to another, I get hired. Now I've been here, you know, 20 years. So how did all that happen? Well, I had that connection with him. He was super well-respected. Then he introduces me to his manager. And then... So now we've cut through all that, you know, uh, mystery of who we are. We're trying to get noticed because of the, the people we meet, right? And that I met him and then me using my sales skills to understand what they're looking for and, you know, um, apply, be myself, right? At this point, I think that answer your question, you know, those are the two things, just the people we know and just get better, you know, be, be comfortable being you, right? If you're a, we, we have a certain path, a certain background, all of us do. Don't apologize for that. Don't minimize that. But back to that disc or whatever assessment you like. If I'm an enthusiastic sales guy and I like conversation, man, play that card, right? You're a CEO of a software company. Obviously, you're a really smart guy, right? You know technology. You know, your path's different than mine. In a CEO party, you're going to be the big hit. You know, in a sales in a party where somebody wants someone to talk to, they might like me better. Uh, and let's learn that about ourselves and get really deep, get really good at it. So I started studying, like, what does it mean to be an I in the disc thing? And how can I spot the other personality type? So when you go deeper in those assessments, you, you shift from learning about yourself to be able to read other people. Now that comes in really handy in sales. So I'm kind of giving you the big, the long answer that, you know, the people you meet and then learning about what you're good at and investing in that and getting really good at that. Uh, don't, don't, like we say, don't only really focus on getting better your weaknesses. Oh, it's, yeah, you want to be on, you know, you want to address them, 
but really put your energy into your strengths and really excel at those. And I think that will lead to your point. That will lead to getting noticed and getting promoted and having more sales. And yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's all about the, the uh, you stand out through relationships, you stand out through, through leveraging, you know, what, you know, what you what 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 they're really looking for in this new job new this in this new opportunity uncover that and then show how you fit that and frankly just stand out by through your past performance right i mean which is the kind of the obvious one i guess um how would you say salespeople should assess whether or not it's time to look for a new sales job opportunity at a new company what especially where there's a tough economy right now a lot of companies are are on shaky ground. How how should a salesperson look to the future and say, is this the best place for me or should I consider something new? Yeah. Well, again, I think it's back to that individual, like in your situation, life, are you young and single and are you super competitive? Did you play sports in college or high school and, and you love the grind? You love being on the edge? Well, you might like a little more, you know, commission oriented approach and, and really want to, you know, knock on doors. But if you're maybe a different place in life and after the COVID, you're like, wow, it's hard to see people. Maybe I'm, you know, I've got a mortgage now and some kids and hey, a base salary sounds pretty good. Uh, Maybe I'm looking at the healthcare industry, realizing, as I always say, you know, people, as the baby boomers get older, you know, there's, you're always going to need medication and, you know, uh, you always get people always going to want to feel better and look better. And so, you know, you've got the, the government that's, you know, is a kind of underpinning of the medical industry, right? There, you got insurance companies paying the bills. Uh, so you're always going to need good reps there. But I think look around those industries and say, where do I want to be in five years? Is it financial? Is it technology like you with software? Um, I mean, there's there's probably two or three industries that are always going to keep growing. You know, th- those are definitely three of them. And it, it, so if I crank it out in company A, and I'm hitting those the activity metrics that I can control. Uh, am I getting rewarded? Am I making progress? And and will if not, will we, will this company bounce back? Um, if not, then it's time to move on. I'll give you a story for me. I was in industrial sales for six years out of college. I loved it. It was a good old boy network. It was like the steel mill, but it was it was brass and copper, so non-ferrous alloys. I loved it. You know, it was going into little small plants where you might have a, a guy with a few machines in his pole barn, you know, pumping out, you know, parts in there. Or I was calling at one point on the VP of General Motors uh, and their production line shut down. And they had to talk to me immediately because, you know, all everything was going to, you know, fall, fall apart. And um, I loved it. You know, it was talking to that one guy in overalls, bending over a, a oily machine all day. The next call is talking to some guy in a three-piece suit. And, you know, he's got three factories and he wants to hire my, use my company. I loved it, but unfortunately, the profit margins continue to shrink. So I've decided it's not, there's no long term in it, the way I saw it. Uh, between the unions and the overhead, there was just no profit margin. I'd sell a big order and the boss would say, congratulations, but we're losing money on your order. So, you know, to your point, you do the analysis and you say, okay, if I, if I bust it for another three years, five years, am I really going to be, I might be at the top of the ladder, but is that ladder leaning against the right wall? Yeah. I think that it's that last, I've advised a lot of people to, who have career challenges to switch to industries like software, 
pharmaceutical med device um, because there's a lot of stuff you'll find yourself selling just it's not growing that fast or the, the margins are, are, are compressing or the industry is shifting you know maybe there's maybe this is something that actually can just be sold over the internet because certain things can be other things can't be exactly. whatever it is you, you you know you whatever the reasons it's it's definitely worth the, the, those there's a reason those those handful of industries are so, so good because they just have those characteristics that make them good to be in but there's and there's lots of them right um yeah. you know that there's people making a killing in a whole bunch of industries but you know also there's a lot of things that are being squeezed in new new ways i'll give you another example like i work for a let's call it a distributor is probably the best maybe that the bnb folks can relate to that you know working for a distributor versus for the you know the OEM, right? The, the original equipment mm -hmm. manufacturer. And yeah, the distributor might have more lines, uh, more products, you know, um, more to offer as far as quick turnaround and more, you know, more service to offer the customer. But at the end of the day, when the customer, you know, has to cut back vendors, do they want to deal with the distributor or do they want to deal with the original manufacturer? And I found at one point in my career, I was having fun selling. I was doing great, but I was, but the distributor was, was really kind of disjointed. Like he was strong in my local market, but then regionally he was weak. And so my business began to unravel and fall apart because, you know, he didn't, there was no continuity in the business nationwide. So I went back to the original, you know, equipment manufacturer, or in my case, pharmaceutical industry, because there was that uniform business approach across the country. And I just thought, I'm going to build my career. You know, I'm going to hitch my wagon to that. The distributor was a little more sexy, a little more fun. I had more freedom. We're going to make all this money. But over time, their business model was so diluted because they had so many products and things going on that it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. And, you know, I think this, that, that's an area of sales, field sales jobs that, that um, at times is at risk. And you have to figure out if yours is one, one of the ones that is at risk or isn't um is that distribution model a lot of times the and we, we see this in the, in the dental industry for example like you know the, the the people there's there's a lot of distributors to dental to dentists right and it's not the maker of a med device um for example that the dentists are buying the maker of the med device doesn't get squeezed by the world shifting towards internet. It's the, it's the distributor. Exactly. So the, the maker of the med device used to go direct to dentists through these big distribution companies, but maybe now um, they also are going to market through Amazon. Therefore the distribution companies are competing with, with Amazon, who's also kind of a middleman in a similar way. Uh, so you, the field sales job could be at risk and, and you have to figure out where your industry is and, and how this, how, you know, if, if you have a new major competitor like that, or maybe it doesn't affect you at all, just for, cause this is really industry by industry and situation by situation. Maybe the, the guy that sells, sells gloves to dentists that was all going through distributors and that part of the distribution network is now being fulfilled by Amazon, but the med device or the laser is still either going direct or going through these the, through a distribution company and, 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 you know, people aren't going to buy a, you know, $40,000 laser over, over Amazon. Right. So it just really depends on the, uh, on the, the market and the item. Yeah. And, and so, you know, I talked about this earlier, but, you know, be confident in your story and in your brand. So to your point, maybe you're with a distributor and you're selling all these gloves. Well, as soon as we come out of COVID, maybe the gloves and masks aren't going to be such a big deal. 
Uh, so you've got to work on your story and say, okay, can, how can I parlay that into the next step? Because, you know, what we're talking about for the rep, we want you to have a successful career, have a great lifestyle and make lots of money. And then at some point, look back and be able to, you know, be satisfied that you had a productive career, made lots of money and have more opportunities. Uh, and that really comes down to each of us kind of owning our story. And I say that, Steve, to share one other one, for example, where I got fired one time. <laughs> uh, I was with a, so to speak, a distributor, and they had a promise that if we got some, uh, picked up this certain type of customer, they would have this free technology they were going to give them. Um, and, you know, so we're all pumped up. We're out making sales. And I had this big presentation. I picked up this uh, multi-state client, and, and the hook was they would get this free technology um if they switched you know and signed up with my company and uh the owner of that clinic looked at me and said are you sure like she's like that sounds good but she wanted my personal guarantee as a salesperson and honestly because at the end of the day that's all we have right as salespeople, i mean it's really our word our integrity and ours our motivation that gets us out there every day so basically, I delivered the goods, and then the company changed their mind, and they wouldn't deliver. They wouldn't give the promised technology away that they said they were. Oh, I hate it. So I honestly, I called them out on it, and they didn't like it, so they fired me. And I, I didn't handle it the best. I mean, I left a voicemail for my boss's boss so, or boss. So <laughs> that was not smart. I learned right. They're like, and you're fired. Yeah. Thanks so, for your feedback. We know yes. we're jerks. So, <laughs> we, we, we knew that was going to piss people off. We didn't care. <laughs> I was but, young. I was young. I was foolish. I just went on, a, you know, so I get fired. But the moral of the story was I was devastated. But then within a couple months, uh, a company called. I got hired and I won their top sales award the next year. Well, and honestly, we talk about red flags on a company, you know, I, I think that is something to look at is how, how, what are the customers saying about that company? That's, that's a, that's a key one to look at because you do something like that and your, your customers will never forget what kind of company you are. Right. Exactly. But in, in my own brand, though, I share that story in that, okay, I, I had to, that was not the way to handle it. Um, I was young, I was fired up, but you know, I made a mistake. I got fired. It was humbling, but then I landed on my feet, got a better job, won the top sales award for this new company the following year. I think that was a trip to Hawaii with, you know, my wife, all expenses paid for a week. So, you know, uh, the point is we, as salespeople, we're going to go through those ups and downs, you know, ride that roller coaster, embrace your brand. It's sales, right? You're going to irritate some people. You're going to burn some bridges. We can't be nice to everybody. I'm not saying, you know, be politically incorrect or do anything stupid, but you know, sales is the kind of thing where you're always pushing that line if you're doing your job just enough to not go over the line. And we're going to make mistakes. And, and, but point is, back to your point, you can do all your analysis you want on a company, but as a salesperson, it's kind of your personal brand, your story. But the good news is, you know, with that, you're, you're going to stub your toe, but you're, you're going to keep, as long as you keep going forward, there's going to be more opportunity. That's like the, that's the exciting thing about why we're in sales, right? And why you're making software for salespeople that you're going to need salespeople. You're always going to want good salespeople and they're all different. So find your brand, find your strength and, and do more of it. Mm -hmm. Well, next section is sales in 60 seconds. Quick questions, quick answers. Um, 
What is one thing that a lot of salespeople don't do enough of or neglect, but if they were to focus on it, they would be more successful? Yeah, I think that, again, we're, we're trying to mimic a stereotype, like uh, the number one salesman. So let's all be like, you know, Steve, you know, he sold, you know, he was at 150% to plan. Uh, let's see his sales presentation. Let's, let's, let's imitate his sales presentation. That's all great. I love, it's definitely a great way to learn like we talked earlier, but I got to find how to, out how to do it in my style. And I've got to find my manager that supports me or my coworker that supports me and get good at that. You know, maybe I'm not good on zoom. Maybe I hate email, you know, maybe I'm, but maybe I'm really good at technical presentations. So, you know, I've got to learn what I'm good at, how to get better at it, and not trying to copy and imitate what's working for everybody else in, until I you know, can discover my own success. Absolutely. And um, what would you say, uh, if you had one, if you had to name one critical skill or trait that salespeople need to be successful, what would it be and why? Might not be a trait, but I would say enjoy the process. The successful people realize you only learn by doing things and making mistakes. Unfortunately, the school system and what we're mostly taught is we're in trouble if we make a mistake. Well, I'll give you an example. Like I bought some real estate and lost lots of money on it. But I had a business degree in college and I took finance classes, but none of it stuck, you know. <laughs> In, the, in, in my brain, but when I was writing those checks and understanding the, the tough management, real estate management company I was dealing with and the difference between you know, asset and a liability and you know, what a, uh, a balance sheet looked like and what you know, debt is not personal wealth. If you want personal wealth, don't make a lot of dumb mistakes with your money. But you know what I learned, I read, I got on the, like I talked about earlier, I got on podcast uh, uh, books, read tons of stuff. And, I, and now, you know, I'm way further ahead. All that, all that paid off. I turned all that around to success. And then of course, the career example I shared with you. Yeah, I, I took my foot in my mouth. I got fired, but I learned from it. And now I don't see things are going maybe in my opinion, how they should be run. Hey, I've grown up. I don't just go call somebody up and give them a piece of my mind. Uh, there's other ways to do that. So I think enjoy the process, especially if you're a millennial, the only way to get the more successful people are going to throw themselves into it and grow and learn rather than feel like they're, get, they're in trouble for making mistakes and trying to do everything perfectly. And uh, what, uh, what are your favorite sales tools? Yeah, that's interesting. So in our business, they provide uh, tons of resources and it's like Salesforce is the big one we live on. Um, and we're pretty limited. They provide them for us. There's no flexibility on, uh, you know, me going out and creating uh, my own stuff. Um, and uh, so I know it sounds boring, but Salesforce, honestly, today, uh, email and Zoom getting, getting uh, more, um, again, nothing near fancy there, but I think just there are amazing sales tools and, and just learn for the customer how I can use those to fit my day and, and for the customer. Because like, what we've learned is just everyone is, remember, everyone's different, right? Somebody likes a personal meeting, a handshake. Somebody wants an email. Somebody uh, 
is fine with Zoom and somebody else a phone call. Hey, give me the bottom line and hang up. Um, what I've learned is you can get sales through all those. Even though I might enjoy uh, hanging out and having lunch, you're a busy guy. Give me the bottom line, get the order in, and go on with your day, and don't waste my time having lunch. If I can still sell 100 widgets that month, and I didn't have five busy lunches with you, and you still bought the product, I have to learn that the, the business world is continually evolving, and what worked before didn't, doesn't necessarily work now. But more importantly, as long as I'm effective, that's all that matters. And what would you say the greatest sales lesson is that you've learned over the years? Persistence. Persistence. Um, I remember one in, in industrial sales, uh, I was calling on this fella, a big company. And I mean, for years, he told me, no, no, thanks. He was using my competitor. And then one day in the back of my mind, I think I heard that there might be a strike with that competitor. So when I went in that guy's office one more time before he threw me out, I just said, hey, you know, if there was ever a strike, wouldn't it hurt to get us qualified on the product just in case you ever had a, a you know, a supply issue? <laughs> well, we sell tonnage. So one, the next uh, a couple of days later, the phone call rang. They called my district office and placed an order for $40,000 worth of product just to get us qualified. But hey, we were having a sales contest and that $40,000 order was nice to feather in my cap. Absolutely. Well, that's, that's, uh, Persistent and creative, I'll, I would can I tell say. You another one? So I was calling on a busy uh, cataract surgeon, and these folks are extremely high paid, obviously extremely, uh, you know, they're surgeons, right, dealing with people's eyes. And the competitor had them all locked up. So in, in a post-operative care, you would sell a antibiotic and a steroid, right? I think, And we would give them, and, and the, the goal was to try to get a, a, one of those scripts uh, for every cataract surgery that they do and he he reassured me that he's fine he's with been the, with the competitor in fact they're in a big surgery center and they didn't need you know our product our product was a little bit different but at lunch i i mentioned to him now our product has an analgesic benefit he's like that came back later so he he mean he you mean like when the little old lady gets a little scratch from her suture on saturday morning she might not call me back and want to have questions to my nurses. So all of a sudden the gears were turning just because I dropped in that little tiny, uh, you know, nuance, but it was a huge benefit to him. Um, but on the surface, I had, if I would have taken no for an answer, I wouldn't ever had the lunch. And if I didn't try to understand his, what his needs were, and I didn't present a solution, and I didn't even know that was exactly a big deal to him, but for his busy world, a very successful, high volume person to not get phone calls on a Saturday or Sunday morning after a surgery is done meant the world to him. So I got the business. He switched to our product. Yeah. And just so people know who are in the medical field, analgesic means pain relieving. Um, and, and I guess what, what is the lesson there? It's like be, uh, you know, I guess that's, that's, that's seeking to communicate your unique value. Yeah, I like that. Um, and, you, and you asked me about perseverance, or I, you asked me what the most important thing was. I think, you know, perseverance, but, you know, do it in an intelligent way. You don't want to just pester people. That I means, again, salespeople, we're going to hear it. It's our job, man. I mean, my first boss said, hey, if you don't, you know, if you don't get thrown out of a few offices, you're not doing your job. Yeah. Now, we, now we don't want to take it to that extreme today because the, the world's changed. But the point is, is, we have to push. Now, if we, if we do it with good per, 
persistence and perseverance, we're getting better and smarter. And then like to your point, what was that? Well, by the time I got there, I had take, looked at all my notes, you know, that on those previous calls, maybe where I was thrown out or told, no, thank you. Well, those calls weren't wasted. I didn't just drive around like a maniac and pound my, no, I would take mental notes or written notes. And that's where again, Salesforce would come in. And I would say, Steve says, you know, this, Steve said that he said, no, because of this. And that moment through all that perseverance got me to that stage where now I had my moment, uh, whether it was that hook with that industrial sales guy to say, Hey, what would it hurt to qualify us just in case your supplier of all these years had an issue well, that stuck mm -hmm. in his mind. Or the surgeon, when I just threw out the analgesic benefit, he's like, well, you mean that would relieve these dumb phone calls I get? I shouldn't say dumb, but, you know, uh, interruptions to my Saturday morning when I'm out on the golf course. I don't have to, to, you know, so, but that came through perseverance and working smart and working hard and, and, and listening to the customer. Well, and, uh, you know, data is so important here too. The information you're gathering about your customers Sometimes you, some, you know, you, you mentioned we sell these two drugs together and our goal was to get at least one in, but sometimes you can run a play, right? If you have information on, okay, who are all the people that are just using this product of ours, but not that product, even though they can, they kind of work together. Well, okay. Now I just figured out this great play to run where these guys, anyone who's already using this, we really have an advantage to get them to add on this addition, additional thing and displace the competitor that we know they're using because of you know this way they work together so show me fit, like, and obviously i'm biased here because of you know people use badger this all the time show me on the map where who who in my entire territory is doing that doing doing this but not doing that i want to go see all of them with this sales pitch specifically but like running i mean you don't need us obviously to do that but like figure figuring out figuring out how to run those plays can be so important yeah and then where your product comes in, you know, badger mapping. I mean, obviously the old saying, right? We all know time is money. So a number one goal for the salesperson is know where the adage 80% of your business comes from 20% of your customers. So you're, all the things that Steve and I are talking about, we're not, you, we're not going to get there overnight, but the goal is through that persistence that I talked about in those examples in time, I'm spending my time where the opportunity is. I've got a little plaque on my desk here. Uh, it says, you know, uh, it don't come easy. You got to dig for it. You, know, you, you got to dig where the gold is. And where your product comes in is, you know, I want to spend my time where the payoff's going to be the greatest. So I, I don't want to run around and spend a lot of time just calling on everybody. I've got to have a really important business strategy and a focus and, uh, you know, use that time and energy. So when I do hit a home run, when I do get some business, you know, it's at the right place, right? Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. Once I break in that it's, it's worth it. And that really just comes from time management, which your service offers, Steve. And uh, you know, that's probably the most important thing for sales, you know, for salespeople and anybody who's looking at moving into sales or moving into medical sales, we call that you know, your, your routing, your calendar, your schedule, uh, you'll, you'll get, always get better and better and better at that because ultimately that's what helps us to be successful. Absolutely. That's, that's what we're trying to do around here, right? Yeah. Uh, it, as an actual takeaway, what would you say the field salespeople who are listening today should do as a first step towards better managing their career path? Well, I think that 
looking at their personal values and, and goals. So, you know, when you're young, your sales is, this whole thing is just kind of a little starry-eyed. It's exciting. I remember for myself, but as the years go by, hopefully you're positioning yourself as we've been talking about today with the, the best company, where the best opportunity for you is, where you're hitting on your strengths. But ultimately, you know, you, you want to build some personal wealth. Let's just be honest. I mean, why are we doing this, right? What are you going to have to show for it? So you have to balance out uh, a job satisfaction and being excited about going to work, but hopefully your net worth is growing at the same pace. And, and you're looking back saying, I'm hitting my sales numbers. I'm being rewarded for it, whether that's, you know, merchandise, trips, award bonuses, uh, points, in your case, stock options, a lot of things. But if I look back after a couple of years, let's say five or 10, let's say I'm, on, I'm in my uh, late 20s, say middle 30s, I have to have a pretty good, you know, age-wise right here, you know, a pretty good uh, map on is it leading to success? And that success is different for all of us. Um, but you've got to figure out what's important to you and is that job getting there? I look back at at one point, and I had, uh, I had overdone the real estate. As I mentioned earlier in our talk, I got crazy like a lot of people, and you can't go wrong in real estate. So I made some bad investments. Um, I had kids in college. I was trying to save for a mortgage. I realized one day, because, again, we've talked about sales, you really don't want to look at your career more than a year or two out because the, the economy and the market's changing so much. So do am I... Am I winning enough? Like, am I building my own personal wealth enough that if this story ends, if this company quits, if, if we have another pandemic, right? Whoever knew we'd have a pandemic. But if it's if they say, hey, your service is no longer needed, and that's going to happen in sales. It's that's the, the risk reward of sales. It can happen. Am I being successful in what it means for me to be successful? And it's all different for all of us. Absolutely. Well, tell me, where can uh where can our listeners read more about your work? You know, you're doing so many cool things to help people with their careers. Where can they reach out to you? What's the best way to communicate more with you? Yeah, thanks. So probably LinkedIn, just Michael Hayes and LinkedIn. Uh, you can see me. I'm the uh, career coach there for uh, pharmaceutical and medical sales. Or you can go to my website, gethiredinmedicalsales.com. And of course, listen to my, pad, my podcast get hired in medical sales. And Steve, I just say the reason I kind of ended with that last part about our personal goals and, and say personal wealth from all this is because that's what I love about medical sales and pharmaceutical sales. Um, if you want to, if you Google uh, the best $100,000 sales jobs, uh, the top 10, two of those, one will be medical and one will be pharmaceutical sales. And the reason I say that is because when we're looking at the, the, all these career options, uh, you want to put yourself in a market where you're going to be rewarded for it. You're going to get the training you need to develop, and you're going to have future opportunities after you are successful. I mean, that's what it's all about. And if you look around and, and folks are listening and saying, hey, I feel stagnant in my job, or things have changed, I don't feel like I'm reaching my sales numbers, or frankly, I think I'm worth more in a different area, consider medical and pharmaceutical sales because everything's Steve and I have talked about today. That's why I love medical and pharmaceutical sales. And it's not for everybody. At the same time, when it says two or three years sales experience, what I can show you is 
um, how to develop your story and how to tr you know find your transferable skills maybe from your current job situation your current sales background uh, or your even non-sales role and how that can be applied to a medical or pharmaceutical job uh, and where those where it says three to four years sales on the on the ads listen to my podcast you'll hear people all the time getting hired who had no sales background so just for more information check out again my podcast get hired in medical sales and then uh, of course reach out to me on linkedin Fantastic. Well, this has been a, a great episode of the Outside Sales Talk here. Um, if anyone works in field sales, you'll love Badger Maps, the number one route planner. Helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. You can get a free trial at badgermapping.com today. If anyone can think of any sales reps that would benefit from learning about the career coaching and, and what you know how to think about your career that, that Mike has taught us about today, share the love and forward this on to him. Uh, Mike, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom with us and take care until next time, everybody.